This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 560 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Thursday, June 7th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason and special guest returning from Guru, Guru Elite, easy for me to say, Vlad Sedler. Gentlemen, how you guys doing? What's going on, Paul? Justin, thanks for having me, guys. Third of the season down, and uh, it's going by too quickly, man. It's uh, We're already almost at the All-Star break, and I just don't want it to end. It's one of my least favorite times of the year because uh, I stupidly... Uh, start to really worry that the season is almost done. And it's really not. It's, it's not almost done. Um, there are four months left. There is more left than is gone. And yet I feel the creep of football. I've talked about this panic before, and I, I can't avoid it. I don't understand it. It's very dumb. Uh, I need to stop. But I'm very excited with how the season's been going. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and, yeah, we figured we'd have you back on, talk about some things. We got uh, we got some news that we're going to cover and then talk about some underperformers. We got eight guys that people had a lot of hopes for, kind of varying up and down the draft board. It's not they're not all early rounders, but most I think all of these were at least mid rounders uh, or higher. And and they're really struggling. And so there's decisions to be made of, you know, do we move on in ten and twelve team mixers? Do we do we sell low? I think that's an underrated uh, or or at least undercovered aspect of fantasy of just saying, you know what, get the hell out and sell low and get something. Uh, see if somebody wants to buy low and, and, and then you get in there. So we'll, we'll cover those. But let's start with the news. Justin, you still haven't said anything, by the way. How's it going? I'm just hoping you're not going to sell low on me. Oh, no, I could never. I could never. I bought I bought high. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm in for you, the long haul. You, you need I, to try to get a return on this investment. Exactly. Yeah, I am Sunk cost principle out the window. Don't care. I'm sticking with you. Half the listeners uh, are just like groaning right now. <laughs> all right, let's let's dive in uh, with something else that makes people groan when they see it because I'm sure it has become a little bit of a pain on Shohei Otani. Uh, his blister returned and, and and had him out after four innings yesterday. You know, it's just kind of here, here's the thing. I can't have sympathy for the Shohei Otani. The people that have Shohei Otani, though, because this is what we bought. And I say we because I'm in on this. Like, not necessarily knowing that he was going to have blister issues, but that it was going to be kind of an up and down, kind of a chore. But we were hoping that the upside would be enough to make it worth the chore. And it absolutely has. 310 ERA, 134 whip, uh, 11 point. 
61 strikeouts per nine. That's 61 strikeouts and 49 in the third. And then if you have the ability to put him in on offense on the days off, he's been an amazing hitter. 907 OPS and six home runs well beyond what a lot of people expected. Myself, for sure. I was tabbing him as like a, a Jock Peterson type, which still would have been a boon for the Angels, but not necessarily for fantasy players. And uh, he has been on both sides. But the blister returns. There was a thread out there that was floating around on Twitter, you know, kind of showing how uh, that blister is affecting him. The ball is way different than it was in Japan for Otani. So this is kind of what we're dealing with here. Justin, when, when you see the, the blister return, is this, again, par for the course? Hey, I kind of bought in on this or major concern for you? I mean, it's just par for the course. It just it means that you're going to have to be very vigilant in keeping track of what the Angels are going to be doing with him. Uh, we have already seen him have starts pushed back and skipped. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, this is kind of what you get, and you're actually getting the best portion of what we thought he could be at this point because outside of that one start at Boston, he's been an ace. Which is when the blister first popped up. And yesterday it popped up and, and thankfully did not necessarily impact Otani too much. He ended up four innings, one run, four hits, three walks, uh, four strikeouts against the Royals. Of course, when it's the Royals, your margin for error is wider, let's be real, than it is with Boston, who's already a team that's looking to work the counts on you, and he couldn't command anything. And even that, by the way, was uh, that start, people go back and look at it, it, was kind of overblown in terms of how much he was beat up. It was two innings, three runs. Like It wasn't great, but like let's let's chill out. And so, yeah, he's been really good. Um where where do you where do you kind of have him ranked mentally? I know you haven't done re ranks. By the way, this is this is my notice to you. Maybe if you could put together a little like top fifty or something. I got my SPs coming out so that we can do a, a compare and contrast for for next week. Yeah, because my my SP my SPs will be dropping after this pod. So today Thursday, uh, June seventh. So you can take a look at that. But uh, well, mentally, where do you think you got him? Is he a top twenty? Is Otani a top twenty five pitcher for you? I think he's. Yeah, I think he's just inside of that. So I'd say ballparking it, 21, 22. Um, okay. I mean, it, it also depends. I think format is a big thing for him because in weekly moves uh, leagues, you're you could get screwed not getting a start and having him in your pitching spot. For sure. At least he is pitching on Wednesdays now, Otani is, as opposed to Sundays. And so when he's pushed back, it can be to the weekend as opposed to off to the next week. So that can be tough. Vlad, um, how have you felt about Otani's season so far in terms of uh, against your expectations and with these kind of uh, up and down nagging issues, sometimes getting skipped just for um, you know innings protection? Well, what do you think on Otani right now? Well, you know, I, I bought in a lot of shares on him on the upside, and um, a lot of it was sort of a, a price enforcement because if you recall kind of earlier in late February, early March, uh, he w- he had a very high ADP. We're talking like, you know, 60 to 80 overall. Yep. And that, you know, had we had a little bit of a reverse helium where coming towards the end of March, you were able to get him for really, really cheap. And so there were a couple of 15-team leagues where I was able to get him in the 10th, 11th round as like my third pitcher, fourth starter behind guys like Paxton, Strasburg, uh, and Nola. And so, um, some rough right- spring outings put, pushed, pushed the numbers down for, uh, for Otani. That's what really helped. People were really overreacting to the, the yeah. spring outings. And that last start, you know, obviously it was kind of disappointing. The start before that was too, because he had that rain out, uh, 
that rainout was happening in the fourth inning, then again in the fifth, and so he was unable to come out in the sixth. But like yeah. you know, on like an AL Tout Wars team uh, that I have him both as a hitter and a pitcher as separate players, kind of works out well. Um, you know, obviously I'm starting him every week no matter what because the benches there are not very deep. Uh, hitter wise, you know, I had to sit him this week because I mean, you know, we didn't know about the blister before the start, of course, but he's now probably not going to be hitting for a few days in preparation for his next start. I think anytime he takes an opportunity to be in the lineup, I don't think that's something Sosha's going to do. Uh, I think they're just going to rest him and wait six days and hopefully the blister's healed and they can start him. Yeah, so, I mean, pretty positive on Otani. Again, this is just kind of what you signed up for. It can be frustrating, but understand that's what you're getting. You're never really going to get like 180 uh, inning and 500 PA season anyway. So um, just kind of stay the course with Otani. I would not move on from this to blister. Sounds like it's something that it is callousing over to uh, more often than not. And so it it shouldn't be... Uh, this this is not this is not reaching super blister status like uh, Mr. Rich Hill, so that's a good thing. Uh, Carlos Correa left last night's game, uh, Tuesday, excuse me, Wednesday's game with uh, some side discomfort. Doesn't appear to be anything too crazy, but I kind of wanted to bring up Correa in general. Uh, I think he's he might miss today's game against the Rangers, but the lineups are now. We'll see. Uh, he hasn't been bad. You look at a, a 129 OPS plus, and you're like, eh, it's fine, but it's an 811 OPS. 264 batting average, 10 homers, two steals. Vlad, uh, Carlos Correa, still just 23, by the way. Been in the consciousness now for a while. Probably had a few people thinking he's a little bit older. He's just 23. Um, How do you feel about where his season is right now? Is it something that's ready to kick into high gear, or is he just kind of meandering along as a solid but not overwhelmingly great uh, uh, option at shortstop for Correa? Well, you know, I mean, we paid a high price for him. I mean, he was pretty much going at the turn, uh, you know, the 15, 16 turn there in the first, uh, you know, first, second round. Uh, you saw a lot of people even buy in at him as a top 10 player. You saw mm-hmm. some high stakes leagues where he was going eighth overall. And, you know, so far, although his counting cats are you know pretty decent, he just really isn't delivering. I mean, hitting 264. Uh, but, you know, as long as he's healthy, I'm really not concerned. Um, I had some uh, probably a little bit over the top expectations for him, thinking he might actually crack the 40 home run mark, even though he only hit 24 last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, it was in 109 games. games. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, so we'll see. I figure he turns the season around. I figure he'll be just fine. Let's just hope that this side thing is not an oblique issue and something that's going to affect him at the plate. Justin, BRB, the weed whacker guy's back. I'm going to go kill myself. I'm already, I'm already about to be angry. He's getting closer. Oh yeah, come, come over here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. C- no, come closer. Come, come in my room. God, I hate these people. Morning on Thursday afternoons. I'm leaving this all in because yeah, everybody. This was like everybody's favorite part of the podcast last time. A hundred percent. People, people are uh, really sure it was it was Kyle Gibson. I, I still believe it might be. Are the, mm-hmm. the Twins are playing right now, but he's not pitching. No, so he, he's off I'm today because just... he just threw a gem. I'm just saying, did he throw a gem though? Is he ever throwing gems? Or is he getting <laughs> He was actually throwing a perfect game until I tweeted it at you. And then literally the next like the next pitch was a home run. It was pretty great. It was pretty great. Um but as far as Correa goes, you know, I by the way, all the stuff that Vlad was talking about with the high expectations, I was a hundred percent there. I was I was talking about getting him first round. I really like Correa. I think he's a stud. The one thing 
because I saw that power explosion too, and I, I feel like he can hit for power with a big 300-plus batting average. He was at 315 last year with 24 homers in the 481 plate appearances. I was thinking mid-30s with, with a 310-plus average. You weren't are – you, are you, do you have any concern here? It was like a good April, bad May, uh, kind of BABIP – driven on both sides 400 and then 215 respectively where where are you with Correa then if you weren't buying in super hype to start the season are you now uh thinking well this is this is what I thought or or are you assessing him as like I th- I just thought he was good and he's been good not great uh, he he is who I thought he was um and uh yeah, exactly. Got to throw the Danny Green. Football season's almost here, so, you know, got to throw the... shut up. <laughs> not, um, almost, not even close. You know, I, the average the average will come up. I'm not concerned about that. I, I'm mostly concerned of what Vlad mentioned in terms of I'm afraid that this is an oblique, oblique injury, and he sounded pretty downtrodden about it after the game uh, and after injuring it. So this, you know, scares me in, in the idea that he could be gone for the next, you know, three to four four, five weeks, um, and that obviously, so yeah, that would obviously hurt his, you know, his ability to produce on the field. Um, I, you know, my biggest concern with him, and it wasn't that I necessarily was super overly concerned. I thought he was going too high. I, I was worried he wasn't going to steal uh, as much as I think people wanted him to or expected him to. Um, he's got two stolen bases on the year. The only two stolen bases that he's attempted, uh, that seems to be kind of playing out, you know, about what I thought. And I just felt like Lindor was just a much better value and an overall better player, uh, in terms of fantasy and, you know, and that's playing out. So it's not that I dislike him. I just felt like you could be getting Lindor for cheaper. That's fair. Yeah. And I mean, by I think by peak draft season they were going pretty close and I, I definitely saw the Lindor hype and and liked that as well um, because because he has the speed with it and he had the power component Lindor did that uh, was kind of a shock to us that he that he added but uh, yeah those two you you could save well that's the thing though I think depending on where you were picking you you only had a chance at 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 one and so. If you want to take Lindor, where you were going to take Correa, so their ADPs, I think, for people that were going to pick them, uh, you kind of had to make that decision in the fifteen to twenty range, whenever your pick was, to say, you know what, I'm gonna go for one of them. Don't really think you could go wrong, uh, but we'll keep an eye on Correa. Hopefully, he comes back today, but we'll see. Again, don't know for sure if he's gonna be out of the lineup. Uh, Jalen Beeks is spot starting today for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, a prospect of some note, not not some elite prospect, but he's been putting up really big numbers. And he's going to start today against the uh, the Mighty Tigers, so he'll probably get whopped because they're amazing. Uh, arguably the best team in the league, but that's another conversation. Well, we can have that one later. But he has a 35% strikeout rate, 6% walk rate, 256 ERA, .98 whip, Jalen Beeks. Now, those numbers make you think, well, Uber prospect, he's so good. All the reports say more of kind of a finished product already in the minors, and that's why he's kind of beating up on on minor league competition. He's not some elite guy, but he is in uh, Carson Sestouli's fringe five, five. By the way, if you don't follow that, you're not you're not doing all you can to win your fantasy league. The guys that he covers in there that aren't like the top 100s and everything uh, can really give you a leg up on these guys. But Beeks is going to come up, Justin. 
it looks like it's just going to be a spot start. So I, I'm more interested in what you think about him for kind of the rest of the year. What if if a spot opens up, which is probably likely because they've dealt with injuries on and off throughout their rotation in Boston. But this one looks to be a one and done. Jalen Beeks, are you excited? Not really. I mean, this seems like a guy who uh, has a bad fastball, some decent uh, secondary pitches, so maybe he can keep people off balance by uh, w- with a you know kind of a different pit- pitch mix. But I don't think he necessarily has a bright future. Boston's not a great place to pitch necessarily. Um, so, and I-, I think long term, if if there are issues in the Boston rotation, they're going to go out and trade for people. So I, I think that's I don't probably think, the best answer. Yeah, I don't think that long term uh, he has a ton of value. Vlad, this this feels a little Shane Biebery, um, right down to the fact that that maybe command and control is kind of what's elevating the numbers and even the strikeout numbers. And then when they come to the majors, uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how that works. You know, I think one of the flaws on on Bieber was that he wanted to avoid the walks so much that if he got behind, he would just kind of you know, give in. I I wonder if Beaks might be the same and and with a mediocre to bad fastball, that could be trouble. What do you see out of Beaks again beyond this start? Because this this has been said to be just a one and done. But if a spot opened up that they did give Jalen Beaks more of a long term look, would he be somebody that you would want to go get, Vlad? Oh, probably not. Um, you know, I, if I had the opportunity, I think, you know, grabbing a, a Shane Bieber, who I think should be back on June 12th for a start and could stick in the rotation is a lot I better. I think they're bet. letting Plutko take that one, though, for some really? reason. That's yeah, that, that was the thing was they didn't need a f- fifth starter for a while. So that's why they sent him back right off the top, Bieber. But then even when they did, I believe, and this could have changed because this, you know, it's been there was such a big gap before they needed a fifth starter that they could have maybe changed their mind. But I believe that they've said Plutko's going to get that fifth starter rotation the next time around. And it's a two-start week. So let's okay. see if he gets bombed out and then maybe brings Bieber back up. But uh, yeah. So you have Bieber over Beeks? Yeah, I've got Bieber over Beeks. I just don't think he's that big of a prospect. I'm just kind of digging into him uh, you know, through his minor league uh sort of 10 starts or so is that K rate is really deceiving. I mean, it's a 34% K rate. He's got an ERA under three and a lot of those strikeouts have come, you know, by way of that straight fastball that Justin's talking about and a lot of called third strikes. So called strikes. Yep. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of similarities to that. You know, Freddie Peralta, for example, who had that big 13 K game in Coors field. And I just don't think he has enough of a, of a well-balanced arsenal to maintain. And your tigers are mashers, by the way, if we're talking about just today's start, I mean, I mean, you know, obviously this is like one of the best teams against left-handed pitching, you know, Castellanos, McCann, Miggy, all these guys. And so um, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I'm sure this show will be played over the course of the week, whatnot, but for today's start, um, you know, he's going to be a popular DFS pick um, just because, I mean, there's only five games and there just aren't a lot of people to go after and he's pitching for Boston. So um, I could see your boys getting to him today. I could, too. I was obviously making jokes about saying they're the best team in the world, but their hitting has actually been pretty capable. The, they have the same issue they did when they were a good team, which is a god-awful bullpen, and at least now it doesn't hurt as much because I expect it uh, for the Tigers to have a bad bullpen, but when you know when they were a, a powerhouse rotation and lineup and didn't have a bullpen, it was much more painful. But I agree. Um, I, would, I would be careful, and maybe kind of the counter move is to stack Tigers and 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 go for that with uh, you know 
with some cheaper options too, like a, a, a John Hicks, a James McCann, a Jose Iglesias, a Victor Martinez, as opposed to spending on the, uh, the, the Miggy and Castellanos, if you want to save some money there. So I like that. Uh, let's move on to a couple injuries, big ones. And, and they're, they're tough cause they're going to be for a while now. Alex Ryan is done for the year. Wow. This whole situation was butchered. Uh, it seems as though he was hurting in the minors, you know, during his rehab, alerted the team, but said he could pitch through it, and they let him. Why the hell, Vlad, would they let him? If the, again, this is what I've this is what I've read. If there's details that I'm missing, please inform me. But it seems that he kind of got to push his way through, has made things worse. We saw in his own start, the, the return, you know, he came out firing in the first couple innings. Then the velocity really started to drop. They came out, had a meeting, you know, gives the all clear, I'm good, I'm good. Chucks the ball even harder. Again, seems to have exacerbated. So all of this, we're going to handle him with kid gloves. We're going to put him in the bullpen. All that goes out the window and boom, now megalat strain, surgery on torn tendon, done for the year. Is Alex Reyes just kind of a kind of a washout already or, or are you still sticking with him Vlad? I don't know I mean it, it's tough I mean I mean obviously there's nothing you can do in season long um, he's done so it's going to be another 10 months before we see him again unfortunately Cardinals fans had to wait 21 months for this and and this is what they get so um, you know what can you do I mean I think he is um, in, in dynasty what can you really do he's he's pretty much just a hold and you got to wait it out but you know we caught a glimpse of what he was capable of and what if he had he not uh, gotten hurt what he was going to do on the major league level. Um, he's just one of the best pitching prospects that I've seen in a very, very long time. You saw that K walk rate, um, sure. just absolute insanity. So um, it, it's just one of the saddest stories in the season so far. You know, and he'll come back next year. He's still just 24. You know, I don't, I'm not writing Alex Reyes off as an entity, but I feel like I'm going to have a hard time really seeing the, the, the stars of like, the upper, upper elite potential for Alex Reyes with all these injuries. I'm just not sure that he's somebody that's going to stay healthy. Uh, Justin, is, is Alex Reyes somebody that you're going to go in your dynasty leagues and say, hey, how much how much you want here? Let me, let me get him on a buy low. Um, or are you avoiding this situation? I'm actually in trade talks with a guy who's shopping around Alex Reyes. And prior, prior to this, I was looking at trading some of my top prospects for him. Um, but this injury is, is scary, um, and I think when, especially when we're looking at redraft for 2019, he's going to be you know fully recovered most likely you know before pitchers and catchers report. Uh, so as long as there aren't any issues that pop up between now and then, I think his price is just going to go through the roof. I think people are going to quote exactly what Vlad just did in terms of the strikeout to walk rate through through his uh, minor league rehab assignment, mm-hmm. um, and people are going to go absolutely insane for this kid. Uh, I think the hype is going to be overblown. Uh, this is a guy that has never uh, been able to show at, in uh, long stretches uh, very good control. Um, in command, so uh, I'm. I think this is the time to sell low in a dynasty league. If there's a rebuilding team that wants to, you know, consider him still a top prospect, because I think people should. I mean, people should pretty much just say, "Well, now you're just not seeing the prospect for uh, for another season." Um, but I think this might be a good time to actually sell Alex Reyes. Yeah, I, I I think you could probably still get something good 
in in dynasty leagues. I think people understand, you know, they're going to come in for a little discount, but you can say, listen, you're not going to rip me off. I'll, I'll I'll trade him, but I'm not just giving him for nothing. And then you, you you move on. I don't know, man. This is this is tin step as tin step gets. There's no such thing as a pitching prospect because pitchers break. That's what they do. Um, I I might just be overly uh, overly annoyed because uh, it, it we're in the throes of it right now. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little out on Alex Reyes right now. Uh, Jordan Montgomery is going to get Tommy John. Not terribly surprising. I understand that he kind of wanted to try to put it off and, and maybe do some rehabs that maybe could have worked um, and, and not just get it immediately. But now he's going to have the TJ done for the rest of this year, obviously, and into next. Basically, next year is kind of a washout, too, because what the, the earliest you could really expect him to be pitching in the majors is probably August or something. And maybe he becomes a waiver pickup at that point. I really like Jordan Montgomery. Uh, but now we're really looking at like a 2020 before he can kind of be on the scene as somebody who's going to be high impact. And he'll be 27 at that point. Vlad, Jordan Montgomery's outlook now is, is clouded. How do you feel about him? Uh, you know what? I bought in beginning of uh, last season uh, as a rookie when I you know, assumed he was going to get that uh, fifth starters role and mm-hmm. he handled himself pretty well. I mean, he did a pretty good job. Um, really sad that he won't be back till 2020. Uh, but I think it opens the door for Domingo Herman to perhaps establish himself as somebody that can be a part of this rotation. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Um, I do think that uh, a lefty like Josh Rogers is somebody that can be uh, called up eventually one of their top prospects there who's not having the best of uh of seasons in triple a but is handling himself all right uh and most likely we're looking at possible trades i mean you know how the yankees do it every year they're always in the hunt so they're always looking for some more arms and um you know i don't really know i mean kind of first guy top of the head is uh, cole hamels somebody that mm-hmm. they can target and so we'll see but um but you know for jordan montgomery not much to say for him it's just really a matter of what that situation opens up for for the yankees yeah, that that's definitely true. Um, I don't think Justice Sheffield or Chance Adams have really been doing much at AAA either. They, they were probably the bigger prospects than than Rogers. Rogers been the best of that trio at AAA, but I agree. Similar to what we said with Beeks, um, that this is a team. We were talking about Boston at that point, New York at this point. That is going to say. Nah, we're not going to mess with any of these uh, guys. These rookies going to try to figure it out at the majors. We're going to go get somebody. Justin, uh, Jordan Montgomery in Dynasty, is he somebody you go out and try to buy low? No, I don't think so. I mean, unless you're in a, like a super deep Dynasty league, but he's just he doesn't typically register on the level of someone that I want to hold for a, a year, year and a half. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. Um, one other move here before we get into the strugglers, Jake Bowers was called up, and Brad Miller was DFA'd. New Bowers was coming up, but Brad Miller getting DFA'd is is kind of interesting. Um, not over-the-top surprising because Brad Miller is kind of terrible, but they continued to give him shots, and so I guess that from that angle it's a little bit surprising. Justin, what, what's your outlook on, on Jake Bowers coming up from the minors? You know, he doesn't have, like, the sexiest fantasy profile. Um, He has stolen a little bit more than I think people uh, expected him to, but I don't necessarily know that he is a very fast guy. Um, I think it may just be more of a matter of he's probably a very efficient base dealer, and Mm -hmm. you can take advantage of guys uh, in the minor leagues as catchers and as pitchers who don't really know how to, uh, you know, do pickoff plays as a pitcher or um, aren't very good at throwing guys out uh, as a catcher. 
I think his he's probably got more name value than actual fantasy value, but uh, you know, in deeper formats, he's worth taking a gamble on to see if he pops. We we've said you know certain things like this about prospects coming up in you know recently, um, and then all of a sudden you know Glaber Torres has ten home runs, and I'm looking well, like an idiot. That's the thing you have to. You have to add power, and so that's kind of that looks like it might not be a, a key component to Bowers' profile in the minors. The career high of 14 homers from 2016, and then 13 last year. Those were both in 135 and 132 game seasons, respectively. Five homers so far through 222 plate appearances this year. But I think you you take this 15 homer hitter and you add him to the majors, and he's like a 20 homer hitter. So put him on a 20 homer. Uh, pace of, of whatever that's going to pace out based on the playing time that he gets. And then you're looking at maybe 2010, 20, 20 homers, 10, 10 stolen bases with a good average, 270 plus. All of a sudden, that's not too bad. There's no standout uh, skill for, for Jake Bowers, but I'm kind of intrigued by what he could do. Vlad, uh, does Jake Bowers interest you in, in, in mixed formats as an outfielder too? Because ESPN has him as outfielder. I know he first base outfield type. I like him a lot more in the leagues where he has outfield. I'll say that right off the top. But what do you think about Jake Bowers? Well, just sort of the uh, the name uh, recognition. I know it's not quite the same thing, but just uh, 24 being one of my favorite shows from back in the day, a little bit of Jack <laughs> Bauer reference, which really has nothing to do with Jake Bowers. But you know what I'm getting at. Um, I will tell you this. I am calling a shot uh, today in his debut. He's hitting sixth in the lineup today. The Rays are at home. Mike Leak is on the mound, and I think he serves one up to him. So I like Bowers today because he's dirt cheap in DFS. Uh, long run, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, we saw what happened with the Rays having Willie Adamas uh, come up for a couple games and then get sent back down when Joe Wendell came off paternity yeah, leave. Yeah, so. paternity yeah, so I'd love to see Bowers stick around. Um, you know, if he has a good week, you know how it goes with bidding. I mean, he's going to command, uh, you know, Buku bucks uh, on the weekend. So we'll see. But I like his kind of um, overall sort of five-tool approach, his balance, and the fact that he can steal some bases. And I think the power will get there. You know, Brad Miller actually had a uh, 751 OPS, which is good for a 109 OPS plus, and gets DFA. Do you think he gets moved somewhere? This is, I think this is a little bit different than the Hanley situation. Uh, Justin, you think he's going to get scooped somewhere via trade? You would think he would, but I, it's hard to pinpoint where he could end up. I mean, maybe the Dodgers, a place that have struggled to kind of field a, uh, Please no. a healthy Please team. No. <laughs> so, that I mean, that might make some sense. Uh, maybe a team like the Twins could use him. Um, I'm thinking a team like the Giants, like the Giants. Well, we've got Alan Hansen, who's like, you know, who's just, a beast. Yeah, just amazing. Um, so I don't think the Giants will be scooping uh, anytime soon un- unless he can pitch in the starting rotation. No, I'm just continuing our Dodger uh, giant war that's been going on on Twitter for a couple of years now. Yeah, no, it's so, uh, it. You know, since this war started, I believe, you know, uh, the Giants have at least one World Series and the Dodgers have zero. So seems to be going well. And it'll continue to be that way because, unfortunately, they blew their shot last year. So I'm sorry. There it is. Yeah. Oh, well. Sad face. They'll get back. We can anyway, Let's move on to these, uh, to these strugglers here. we got four hitters, four pitchers. Again, they're just struggling, and people want answers. They want to know what, what, what we would do with them. Let's start with Gregory Polanco, who's actually had kind of an interesting roller coaster season because he got off to a fire start. Uh, we confirmation biased the hell out of him, those of us that were uh, interested in him. And then he was like, psych, 
gotcha, and uh, and has really hit the skid since. He's been kind of an average bat if you add it all up, but kind of the peaks and valleys have been a bit annoying. Eight homers, three stolen bases, 210 average. Uh, he's saved by uh, a decent OBP this year, over 100 points higher than his batting average at 314. Decent, again, relative to the batting average, and a 421 slug. So he does have a 735 OPS, which is actually better than last year. But Gregory Polanco, Vlad, is somebody that when I, when you see him and he's on, it's very easy to to fall for it and say, Yo, this guy can be so good, but he just seems to hit these skids. And I don't know, man. I uh, I'm losing a little bit of faith. He's 26 years old. He has not had a great season. I mean, the the 2016 was a pretty good fantasy season: 22 homers, 17 stolen bases, and a 7.86 OPS. But uh, is it is it time to really bring down the the potential uh, expectations for Gregory Polanco? Yeah, it's a real shame, man, because I've been rooting for him for for quite some time and really want him to have that true breakout season, which I thought this year might be, especially being a little bit of a post-hype guy coming mm-hmm. off last season's struggles, missed games. And so you're thinking at like, you know, 140, 150 overall in an ADP, you'd be getting, uh, you know, quite the profit. And so far, like you said, we're not seeing that. Uh, the positive sign is the walk rates up. So, you know, six, nine percent the last two years. It's up to 12 percent this year. Uh, but like you said, he's hitting just 210. Uh, I think the issue is he's selling out for power. You know, his fly ball rate is up uh, incredibly from uh, 37% last year to 50% uh, this season. And, uh, you know, it's going to obviously affecting his batting average. Um, so I think what you'll see is probably for him to, um, you know, he'll have a couple of stretches with a barrage of homers. And I think he can get up to 25 maybe even 30, but for the most part, it's going to come with that batting average drag. And so, you know, he could pull it up probably somewhere to 240 or so, um, which means obviously there's some positive regression coming. But overall, I think what we see is what we get, and he's just not going to be that superstar some thought he might be. Justin, I think we were both on that Polanco train. Yeah, yeah, and, we were. <laughs> uh, we have crashed, mm-hmm. uh, jumped the track and, and, and crashed into a ditch. Where, where are you at now? Um... I am, oh God, it, I hate to say this. I'm optimistically cautious. I'm I'm not ready to bail on him yet. He's still hitting the ball uh, in, hard. In what, in what league though? Ten teamer. They already cut. No, probably. ten, ten teamer uh, is good to though, cut. I understand if you got to cut him in a twelve teamer, but I'm not. 15. I'm not cutting him anything deeper than that. And um, and if twelve teamer depends on what else is out there, obviously. Um, but you know, I mean, he's still hitting the ball hard. The contact rate has gone up in the last month. Um, you know, there's, you know, I think he has dealt with some injuries, uh, you know, kind of lingering issues, uh, early part of the season, uh, during that huge slump, he seems to be, you know, slowly getting a little bit better. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for this guy and I can totally understand if people want to bail, but I'm. <laughs> I'm going to ride it out because, you know, this is the kind of guy for me, and at least in my history of playing fantasy, that I drop and then someone else gets him and he goes off. Oh, you can't, you can't time this guy. I, I totally, ha- I totally have those. Mike Fultonevich as a pitcher. <laughs> Thanks, guy. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, to- I totally get that. So I, I'm, I'm sharing you, I'm sharing your thoughts across the board there. Ten, you've already moved on. I totally get it. Twelve, um, certainly a lot more likely to move on. Uh, but but don't just don't force it either. Um, and if you have a good team around him, you can maybe afford to maybe reserve him and, and hang out. 
Uh, and then 15, like I said, I, I think you got to gotta hang on to Gregory Polanco and at least see it out a little bit longer here just because there is real talent there and there's talent to be power and speed, uh, a, a dual contributor there. Let's move on to Jonathan Scope. Now, I definitely knew he was going too high, but I had no idea he was going to crater. The reason I didn't really love him this year after loving him going into 17 was because I thought he would just kind of go back to 16 uh, for Jonathan Scope. When he hit 25 homers, 82 ribbies, and a 267 average, I thought, okay, that's fine. Because last year was just everything worked out. 32, 105, 293 uh, with the plate skills that Jonathan Scope has. He doesn't walk too much. He doesn't strike out a ton to like some uh, problematic level. But I was like, that's maximizing scope. That's awesome. But then he was going like fifth or sixth round and I understood it, but I, there was no way I was doing it. And we talked about it because of the second baseman that we liked. And, and he was an easy pass because there were so many other second basemen that I was going to be interested in later, but he's, he's cratered. I mean, five homers two two thirty two average, um, Obviously, that team is is terrible. His strikeout and walk rate has really kind of uh, both gone the wrong way. 2% walk, 23% strikeout rate. It's a tough go right now for Jonathan Scope, Justin. And I'm wondering, uh, is he somebody that you'd move on from after coming off the big 17? I think I'm still holding uh, a little bit if I can. Obviously, if you've got other issues, like if you've got Scope and Polanco, then you've got to make a decision. I think I'm more likely to move on from scope. Um, but I also think that this is, you know, a, a Reese Hoskins type situation in terms of this was always in the range of possibilities. Mm-hmm. We just maybe as an industry fooled ourselves to think that we were always going to get the higher end of it and what we've seen, you know, in 2017 and 2016. But this kind of profile a guy who swings so far out of the zone all the time uh, and does not walk has a very low floor. We saw it with we were seeing it still with Rugnet Otor, um, and so uh, you know there, there's not a whole lot that I feel super confident about that he's going to necessarily rebound. His hard contact percentage is way down. Um, his uh, his O swing percentage uh, is uh, up. Uh, huge again, um, and it was already huge last year. O swing percentage last year was 37%, uh, 42.4% now. Swing and strike Yikes. percentage is over 15%. Um, you know, this may be, uh, you know, a lot in his head, and maybe he's trying to swing his way out of things because... Well, he had an oblique, too, mm-hmm. that, that cost him just under a month for scope. And, you know, he wasn't good before, but he's been just as bad coming back like so so getting getting well, right also, for that's an injury that can linger exactly that's that's my concern mm-hmm. I, I obliques are terrifying that we mentioned but did that he get it earlier. did he get it checked out did he get an oblique scope i have no idea what what <laughs> what sort of um rehab they do when you took 20 <laughs> games off but uh i at least he's been hitting I'm for nervous. power since then because i mean four of his five home runs four have home. come since since the injury um but, I mean, I think this is, you know, I, he's going to get hot at some point, so it's hard to want to drop him and and know that he, someone else is going to get the hotness. But at yeah. the same time, he's also, I think, you know, a guy who's been rumored to be traded. And how much is in his head, like, where am I going to be in two months, you know, when Baltimore finally tears everything down, you know. And uh, so, I mean, 
you know, I there's a lot going on here, and I I might just be willing to say, hey, you know, I'll take you know fifty cents on the dollar or sixty cents on the dollar to get from under him. Yeah, I don't think you have to cut somebody like Jonathan Scope. No, someone in, will buy in, in most it. leagues. Somebody will buy. You can get something uh, of note there. I think the oblique thing has me most scared. If you hadn't missed time with an injury, I'd, I'd be a lot more forgiving of saying, you know, he's been cold for 40 games. Well, of course, he'd have more than 40 games at that point. But, uh, you know, I'd say, okay, we're dealing with a cold streak here. Um, he can kind of work his way out of it. But you add in the fact that it was an oblique injury, and it's got me worried. Vlad, Jonathan Scope, what, what are your thoughts? You know what I think, and, and I hate to uh, put it this way, but I think people get what they deserve if they drafted him because you were literally buying in on the you know the the breakout monster it was season last year. Pure drafting off of last year, like we talk about, not just drafting from last year stats. That was exactly what was going on with his. Like this is not hindsight twenty twenty or anything like that. It, scope, you could not pay me to draft him. I, I was just, I was just not going to pay full price. Yeah, and I just don't think he's a good hitter. I don't think he's a disciplined hitter whatsoever. I think like you guys already touched on. And I mean, this is a dude with a three and a half percent career walk rate, uh, you know, right hovering right around two percent this year. Uh, guy is going 65 overall in drafts and he's got power. Um, you know, you're going to see a little bit of a spark from them this year. He'll hit 20 plus home runs so long as the oblique doesn't affect them. Um, but there's just nothing, you know, in his profile that makes me think that he's really, you know, was anywhere deserving of of where he got drafted. And, you know, unfortunately, there's there's not much you can do. You can't really, you know, you could try to trade him off and see what you can get from him. But it's probably worth it just to hold and uh, and see what happens there. Hopefully he's more more a, a team's middle infielder as opposed to their starting second baseman. Yeah, you hopefully if you got a second baseman as your middle infielder later who emerged among that group that uh, that had me passing on scope in the first place, maybe you can kind of flip flip positions there, which makes it easier because then um, you can take a shortstop or second baseman and, and, and get him replaced. This guy's an interesting one because there was a lot of hype here with Scott Kingery of, okay, when's he going to come up? When's he gonna? You know, when's he gonna be on the team? Boom! Then they sign him to a big deal before he ever takes a major league at bat, six-year deal. Okay, now it's time to play, and he's been a nightmare. Two homers, four stolen bases, two twelve average, five seventy-eight OPS for Scott Kingery. Now he's a little bit of an older rookie too. He's twenty-four years old. Um, you know, not ancient, but definitely an older rookie. Vlad Scott Kingery is is a mess right now. Does he need to go back down? And, and get some more seasoning or or does he just need to kind of fight through it on the job? And if that's the case, if they just say, hey, we'll let you work it out here, do you have to cut him in fantasy? I think in 15 teamers, that's an easy move. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, in 12 teamers, it's an easy move. 15 teamers is perhaps a different story just because there just really isn't a lot good out there on the waiver wire and you're taking part-time players. But I mean, you nailed it, a 212 batting average, an ISO hovering around 100, uh, showing none of the power that he displayed in AAA and AA over the last couple of years. Um, and so there is a good chance that he gets sent down. We'll see what Kapler does. But the interesting part is they just keep giving him opportunities, like kind of higher up in the lineup, just kind of waiting for him to break out um, in the middle of the season. Um, yep. you know, with the big club. And so, you know, you've got a little bit of value with, uh, with, with stolen bases and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, again, the batting average is really nowhere to go, but up, but he himself can potentially get sent down. Justin, would you buy low on Scott King green, any formats? Mm, dynasty format. Sure. 
Sure. Um, I'm not even sure you can get that low though, because I think his because Dynasty folks, you know, they see the long term. Yeah. And so it's a lot harder to just go do that. Than but maybe you know, maybe you know someone with Kingery is a competing team. They can't afford yeah. to keep running him out in their lineup. Um, I don't think he is rosterable in ten or twelve team formats, really. Uh, and I think 15-team formats, is, it's fair to cut bait on him. I mean, here's the thing. I don't think he gets sent down. I think they're going to let him figure this out at the major league level. Look at the bottom half of that lineup. They've got Aaron out there hitting in the four spot. And isn't he hitting, like, under the Mendoza line right now? It's, um, That's gross. You know, I, mean, I can't quit him. I can't. I can't either. I just traded for him in RDI. Um, yeah, he's but, I like it. Too. I like it. Um, but at the same time... You know, it's not like there's any, you know, half this lineup is blocking him from playing. He's playing just as well as the majority of the guys on this team. Or just as poorly as Yeah, it were. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, Philadelphia, they're, they're in it right now, but how long can they conceivably hang in this division? Uh, they're pitching, holding them, holding them up right now. And then Santana and Cesar Hernandez, of course, we mentioned Hoskins. He got hurt. Odubel's still there. You know, they, they've got pieces, but that offense has really fallen on hard times, and Kingery's a key part mm-hmm. of why they suck uh, offensively right now. But, like, who are they going to bring up? Like, they don't have anybody necessarily, like, that is that interesting. You know, maybe they bring up a Roman Quinn or something like that. I don't even know what he's doing. But well, it's not Crawford's like Crawford's back off the DL. Mm-hmm. Um so that could cut into Kingry's time at least. Not that Crawford's doing anything of note with the bat. He's in at fact, least a premium 20... defensive player, though. Yes. He has 20 points lower in OPS than Kingry. So it's a mess. I, I would think if they did send him down, it would really just be the breather type. What do you have to send a minimum 10 days? That's the only thing I'm thinking there. I don't see Kingry going down for a long term if if it is going to happen at all. But I, I could understand. Uh, I could see it not happening. I'm, I'm actually leaning toward no but uh, because of the he situation that you He could cover so many spots on yeah. that defense. He's for a them. great bench player, too. If, if, if they take him out of the starting lineup, somebody else emerges, Crawford gets hot, Hoskins comes back, and there's just nowhere to play, then he's a perfect bench back, Kingery is. So you just got to kind of ride it out in, in the deeper formats, 10 and 12. You probably should have already moved on, but if you were still holding on, I think you can move on. Uh, all right, let's go to Delano DeShields because uh, you make me mad. <laughs> I really like the line on the shields, and I thought uh, I thought we were going to see something nice this year. When he got the job, his ADP skyrocketed uh, because you saw you know you get stars in your eyes for those stolen bases. He stole twenty nine and four hundred forty plate appearances last year. If he's going to be full time and near the top of the lineup, let's go. Um, a guy who can a speedster who can take a walk always has like a ten percent walk rate. That's going to translate well. That ten percent walk rate is salvaging a 295 OBP right now. It is it is Kingery-esque with a 580 OPS, 202 average, just two homers, still 12 stolen bases. And here's the thing. A lot of us deal, not not, not myself, because I don't draft this guy. I, I did draft him in Arizona, though. I, I tried it out and confirmed that I'll never do it again. But we take this kind of crap from Billy Hamilton, so I don't want to hear that you're automatically cutting Delano Shields, those of you that ride out Billy Hamilton's awfulness, because I don't really see any difference, except that um, Delano Shields is better. Justin, what do you think? Delano DeShields uh, and his awful struggles right now. Well, I'd like to start by saying I am a Billy Hamilton uh, supporter. Um, Gross. And, uh 
because I like speed, and so therefore I'm not giving up I'd on rather Lionel the Shields. Um, you'd rather do speed? Awesome. Yeah, than uh, roster. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's I don't nothing... know why I said that as if it's a bad thing, though. People love doing speed, don't they? No, I'm just kidding. Don't yeah, interrupt. to Go a ahead. fault, yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't see like a ton in the profile that really has me that overly concerned, other than the fact that uh, the BABIP is weirdly low for a guy with his kind of speed. Um, I think this is one of those things where you just kind of ride it out with him and he should rebound. I mean, he's making contact in the same levels uh, and actually more contact than he has in previous season. Uh, He's not swinging outside of the zone like that much where I'm super concerned. Uh, He's actually making more contact out of the zone. So I'm not... I'm not overly concerned about Delano DeShields. I'm sticking with him and uh, and believing that he's going to turn it around. Yeah, 267 BABIP is pretty whack for a guy like this uh, who can make solid contact. 23 24% strikeout rate is not great, but it's not the end of the world. And uh, as we've mentioned, the speed, that's obviously his carrying tool. Uh, Vlad, do you see it similarly or anything different on, on Delano DeShields? No, it's just another example of, uh, of, of, a, of an insane late March helium guy that just isn't performing. I mean, you know, again, this is a guy who um, was wasn't really in the radar in drafts. I mean, he was going 150, 200 overall um, earlier in draft season. He was going up as high as 75, 80. I mean, people mm-hmm. were going crazy for the steals, and so again, I mean, look a where they draft of- crappy Billy Hamilton, and I mean, it makes sense when you when you put it in the context of Billy Hamilton because that guy is the worst hitter baseball has ever seen and constantly goes in the top five rounds because he steals how dare you he steals uh, upper 50s bases for the last four years Delano DeShields actually knows what a bat is I think Billy Hamilton has taken the bat only because his dad showed him what it was no no I think Billy Hamilton has held the bat upside down for multiple at bats and (laughs) nobody told him he's held it at the fat end and then stolen three bases but then but then somehow nubbed it with the with the bat handle got on base and stole three bases you're right but no, I, I, I'm holding the shields too. I'm with, I'm with Justin. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is you, it's not really a guy you can trade either. You just have to kind of hope that he gets back atop the leadoff spot and starts to work his way up. And you know, I do agree that he is a better hitter than Billy Hamilton. I don't think it's close, really. Um, and he's also hard to trade. Like if you, you know, unless your team has an insane. Uh, assortment of stolen base guys or you have a d gordon or someone like that i mean how do you trade a guy like that without getting some steals back and you find shields for hamilton trade you'd have to find somebody desperate as well and uh, for for steals and have your own speed covered that's that's a great call so i think you, that's another reason you have to ride it out i'm just He's not sure you have a lot of 30 options. stolen bases i mean like, and that's with missing time he broke yeah. the hamate bone remember mm-hmm. because that that was the thing too is all this hype and then Boom gets hurt very early into the season with the fractured hamate bone, which might be impacting his already limited power. But we just need him on base. We just need some extra hits here to to get going. And you know his hard contact rate's actually up. His soft contact rate's the same. So the hamate bone is not really. I don't think it's greatly affecting his ability to hit the ball right now. I think we just need to see uh, some more legged out grounders and some, and find some more holes here and get the line of the shields on base. All right, let's move on to the pitchers. Zach Godley recently wrote him up. His his curveball is a complete mess right now, and that's why he's so terrible. Like that is the the driving force behind everything. There may be other um, issues here, small issues here and there, but that is the driving force. And what it is is basically it's just not a challenging 
it's just not a challenging pitch anymore, uh, or, or it's not a competitive pitch. Uh, guys are laying off of it. They're not flailing for it, and that's really cut into everything Godley's been able to do. 21% strikeout rate, 11% walk rate, uh, 1.4 homer per nine, by the way, and 9.6 hits. So it all adds up to a 512 ERA, 157 whip. The 28-year-old uh, you know, was a standout last year. There was a lot to support what he did, but it was still kind of out of nowhere. Even, even though there were skills support, it was still an out-of-nowhere breakout for a 27-year-old non-prospect, Vlad. Uh, is Zach Godley someone you're trying to buy low on in hopes that he fixed the curveball, or are you running far away? I mean, you have to hope for something because he's just been what much, much, much too hittable. I mean, his his home run rate is is nearly double. You know, walk rates up from eight and a half to eleven percent. Humidor's clearly not helping him. He's given up a crap ton of hard contact to righties. I mean, over forty percent. You know um, what? In, you mentioned the humidor. It is helping. And 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 it is helping. And you know, the, the the way it's helping is actually hurting him. Because one of the things that the humidor does is allow you to, you know, get better grip on the ball and, and get better break. The extra break I think is hurting the curveball. I, th- I don't think he can, he can command it and throw competitive curveballs. I think that's that's part of the problem. Not only that though, Home is the only place that he's succeeding. Yeah. I think he has uh, like a three ten ERA or something. I I don't remember it is from. It, is it possible? I know we talk about like the home road splits for hitters, at uh, you know when they leave Colorado, you know how they struggle on the road. I almost wonder Ooh. if this is a similar type thing. He's just not used to the feel of the ball when he gets away from home, and he's having a hard. A lot of- you know, and I, I, I am just totally hypothesizing because I don't know. Like, you know, this would be a great question. Maybe we can get Eno when the Diamondbacks are Ooh. in town uh, to go like talk to someone from the Diamondbacks, or you know, um, because I yeah. mean, the Giants ripped Godley. How's yeah. that team even still ex- in existence? Let alone beating up somebody like oh, Zach Godley. They're at five hundred. They're at five hundred. <laughs> Aren't the Tigers too? Like, come on. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. and, and, and people it. that people that were going to play him this week had to be absolutely out of their minds because he had a you know two start week with Coors on the weekend. So uh, you know you got the seven earned runs hit on you, and then you're going to get a little bit of Coors action on the weekend. Yeah, that's a nightmare. Oh my God, you needed you needed the San Francisco start to come through because now he's going to go there. And you talk about the different feel of the ball. You don't get more different than a humidor infused Arizona versus Coors. Like that is going, you know, it's going to be a cue ball out there that he's that he's throwing. So it's it's been rough. Again, I think a lot of it stems from the curveball with Zach Godley. But again, the the bottom line question, Justin, would you buy low? Whether whether that's picking him up off the wire or trading him, uh, at, you know, get a, getting him as like a secondary piece in a in a two for one deal where uh, you maybe give the better player, but you get a solid return and then uh, and then him thrown in, Godley thrown in. This is hard. Um, I think it depends on depth of league for me. Yeah. Or or really, it depends on my, my roster construction. If I can afford to only start him at home for a while, um, then I'll do it. Because I, I think that he's getting some good home cooking. Uh, I mean, he's got like 289 ERA at home. Uh, compared to seven on the road. So I think if I can afford in whatever format I'm in to not start him when they're on road trips, then I'm willing to do that. But I don't have a ton of faith from what I've seen to 
to see anything that is changing or getting better. It seemingly is yeah. getting worse on the road. No, I was I was really hoping that he was going to set up a good selling opportunity. Godly was, and I mentioned that in my piece because he had Cincinnati and then at San Francisco. Well, he got the Cincinnati one that was at home, but then gets walled by San Francisco, and you're right back where you start. And uh, selling him is going to be tough, so I think you just got to kind of ride it out. I wonder. I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to check his his schedule towards the end of the season because I wonder if maybe if like if Arizona is one of those teams that maybe plays a ton of road games toward or a ton of home games towards the end. Like if he's the kind of guy I would target uh, if I've got a nice lead in a head to head format. Wouldn't that be hilarious? All year he's just worthless, and then he helps someone win. The, their title because he's he's got three straight home starts in September or something that'd be crazy if Godley did that. That always seems like the case. So I mean, you know, well, especially that, in head to heads because yeah. randos are going going crazy so, in September. Yeah, I mean, he's got a pretty nice home stretch, um, though. I mean, it's against decent teams uh, towards the end of the season. So he finishes out um, with the Cubs. The Rockies and the Dodgers all at home, and then a road series uh, at San Diego. I mean, if he can't make hay on that, I mean, we're we're a long way from that. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see where Godley goes. But uh, but I mean, if I, you're a team like right now that has got a pretty nice lead in a head-to-head format, this is the time where you start looking for th- for little advantages you might be able to get in the playoffs. And this is why sure. I hate head-to-head. <laughs> That's funny. All right, let's move on to the best pitcher in baseball, Michael Fulmer. Uh, he hasn't been quite the best pitcher. He's probably top garbage. six right garbage. now. Oh, my God, it's uh, garbage. Are you watching the Giants right now? I yeah, hear yeah, keep yeah, saying sorry. garbage. Okay. Uh, he's <laughs> not garbage. start. start. <laughs> he is not gar- – Michael Fulmer is not garbage, but, man, is he struggling. And you know what? It's very similar, though, in, ter- in terms of uh, with Zach Godley. It, it comes down to one pitch – really creating a cascade effect for everything and you know deep diving into Fulmer obviously I understand how the pitches play off each other and and how you know one not succeeding can have an impact but I did not realize how not having your third pitch uh, be effective could have such a cascade effect on your other two pitches like it's his third it's his third pitch very clearly the changeup for Michael Fulmer but that was what really made the star turn in 2016 to give him the rookie of the year and has really turned him into something special or had or what you know was turning him into something that could be special. This year it's gone. Uh, he cannot he cannot do anything with the changeup. It is absolutely worthless. And it's really starting to cause issues deeper into games. You start to get in that fifth, sixth inning, that third time through, and you don't have anything to go to. Uh and then all of a sudden, boom, you get in trouble. And that's exactly what's been happening to Michael Fulmer. I'm moving him down in my rankings. Uh, everyone's going to be super happy because a lot of people think he's trash. Again, if you think this guy's trash, I'm sorry. You just you don't watch him. Like there, There's clearly talent here. There, there, there's We bend over backwards for some of these young, young arms to say, like, oh, if they just did this, this, and this, and this. If they did these nine things, they would be good. And then these same people want to say that Fulmer's trash. He needs to get his changeup back in order, Vlad. But I do still have some hope for Fulmer. That said, I think in 10-teamer, you can easily cut him. 12-teamer, not easily cut him, but I think you could cut him right now and maybe try to revisit him. That's the thing with guys cutting guys like that. They could burn you, but I'm not sure you can continue to take on these these outings here where because he doesn't have enough strikeouts to over to compensate. Yep. 
a, a struggling ERA whip either. That's the problem with Fulmer because he doesn't maximize his stuff for strikeouts. That's something that's always bothered me about him. Yeah, and he's a 19% you know career strikeout guy. So you know you're not rostering for those. So any earned run damage does. I mean, he ends up being a you know a, basically a, a negative for your squad. And so yep. you know FIP and XFIP is pretty much in line with his current you know four and a half plus ERA. Uh, if I have him, he's just somebody I'm picking my spots with in, in 12 and 15 teamers. Um, to be honest, I just really feel like he's, he's just a guy. And, uh, you know, and please don't boot me off the show for this, but he almost feels like a poor man's Aaron Sanchez. And that's kind of saying something. Um, I don't think he's a poor man's. I think they're the same. And they went head to head. Like, what, what's, what's the difference? What makes him the poor one? No, I'm, it's more of a joke. I'm, I'm oh, okay. No, no. I, I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not trying to sound like defensive about it. Because the, uh, I think it's a great comp, but I think they're the same. He was the uh, overpriced Aaron th- Sanchez. That's fair. That's completely fair because Sanchez obviously was at a major discount coming off of a dud season. But they have this amazing fastball movement that when it's on, it's ama- it's, it's so great to watch. In fact, I tweeted out during their start. They faced each other in that Sunday start, and they were putting on a clinic through the first four innings of just what you can do with two-seam, two-seam and four-seam movement. And then... And then it happened. And he went to the fastball like six times in a row against Justin Smoke, did not have the changeup to go to, and left a center cut. And that was pretty much the end of his day. But you can watch either of them on a given day, Sanchez or Fulmer, and say, wow, this guy's amazing. Why aren't they why aren't they one of the best pitchers in baseball? But they don't get the strikeouts. They it's difficult to command their stuff. And they're they're frustrating, man. They're both mm. really frustrating. So I I love the comp. I, I just think that they're more the same as opposed to one being uh, uh inherently different than the other. Yeah, and the thing with Aaron Sanchez is he has that strikeout upside and I think he has it in him. We just haven't seen it all year. Just, you know, a lot of very you know, poor outings strung together. Uh, but you know, definitely I think some correlation there between the two. All right, let's move on to Sean Maniah because Whoa, 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 whoa. Do I not no. to get to talk about Fulmer? Nope. I mean, I'm going to echo a lot of the stuff you uh, stuff you guys said. It really struggles through the third part, uh, uh, third time through the lineup. I just want to point out that if you're looking for a laugh, go on to his splits uh, page on Fangraphs and scroll all the way down until you get to like left on base percentage, because there Nobody's must be a miscalculation. There must be a, there must be a miscalculation because right now, according to the site, it's, it says he's got a a negative hundred and thirty eight point nine percent left on base percentage in high leverage situations. <laughs> what the hell? Is this? I see that now. Um, he lets guys come off the bench and doesn't strand them. Same with men in scoring position. A negative 39.3% of the time he's letting people score. I don't I don't know how that works, but that's really funny. Minus 139% this in high level. This really account for some of his problems. If people from the stands are allowed to score uh, while just, he's walking away from the mound, then that yep. would really jack things up for him. Really going to mess up your your left on base right there. Um, yeah, so that's where we're at with Fulmer. 15-team, Justin. Are you sticking with him? Vlad said he would be spotting him still. I have a hard time putting a guy with his talent yeah, back in the I'm pool with Sanchez. But um, are, you, are, you, are you? is he a streamer, a, a roster streamer, as I call them? So yes. a guy you're putting up and down. Okay, okay. Uh, well, then let's move on to Sean Manaya because he's had a topsy-turvy season. Obviously highlighted by the no-hitter, but that wasn't his only good outing. It's not like he was riding 
you know, one quality outing. He had a hell of an April where I think he allowed five total runs um, and, and five earned. And it was six, six runs total, five of them earned. But then it's been pretty blessed since. In fact, over his last seven starts, he has a, not even bled. It's been bad. He has a 663 ERA in 36 and two-thirds innings. And he's kind of similar to the uh, Sanchez and Fulmer in that he doesn't strike guys out. That, that was the only correlation I was making there, so I shouldn't have really done that because they don't throw the same stuff, and he's left-handed. But Manaya doesn't strike guys out either, so when the ERA and whip, if they're not coming through, you're not getting anything out of him uh, because he's not winning either. You know, Oakland's an okay team, but they, they can't really cover four or five runs that he gives up in four or five innings. And so you know he's one in four with that terrible uh, ERA and whip and no strikeouts, 21 strikeouts in 37 innings. Justin, what are you doing with Sean Manaya right now? I think you're cutting. Oh, damn. I, I, I don't. The, there's either something physically wrong or mechanically wrong, and I'm having a hard time when I watch him distinguish who it is, but like he's got no command. Uh, he, he leaves pitches up. Um, noth- the, the movement on his pitches look bad. Like there There is... There's nothing I'm looking at right now in the last seven starts or last, yeah, since since the no hitter, pretty much, that I can gleam that is positive. Like there's he, his pitch. He's values, an agonizing watch. Yeah, his pitch values are all negative since the no hitter. I mean, Gross. There's, there's nothing, and it just go watch a go watch a start of his. Like he can't hit the glove. Um, there's and this is a guy with a long issue of health and injury issues. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm straight up. I mean, if someone's willing to buy low on him, you sell low, but I have no problem in a 15 team mix moving on from, from Sean Manaya. I actually think, um, and I like Manaya in this season. I, I think he's got some of that control versus command situation where yes. you see the walk rate, um, is low because he gives in all the time and, and, and you say you can't hit the glove. He'll center cut it. On a, on a three ball count and give up the double in the look, gap or the look homer. Look at his zone contact rate uh, since that is ninety three point seven percent. Oh my god, dude! That that's really. I mean, you're throwing a lot of fat pitches at that point. Like that that is very problematic for for Sean Manaya. Um, so you're saying you're cut you're cutting him outright. Vlad Sean Manaya, great April, brutal May. Not really seeing a lot to buy in from the May to, to say, hey, the, there's this, there's this that you can kind of gl- latch on to. What are you doing with Sean Manaya? I mean, you know, it really is uh, dependent on the league that you're in because I think in, in 15 teamers, I don't, I think it's a really tough cut. Um, you know, if you need to bench him, I think that's definitely doable depending on, you know, who the opposing lineup is, uh, who's, go- who's going up against. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. I mean, it, only... Three in only three of his starts has he not allowed a home run. So other than that, he's he's allowing a bomb every single day. The really the only good thing about it that you mentioned is the walk rate. You know, maybe about maybe two walks per nine innings. Um, but really, just you know, two hittable. Um, you know, I I just don't know what exactly I would do with him in a twelver. Um, I I, he, I think he is a potential cut. The problem is is that these days there just isn't really a lot that's good out there on the wire. Um, you know, you're taking a chance at. You know these, you know Dennis Santana's and Caleb Ferguson's of the world. These these guys coming up for these starts. I think there's better in twelve though. I think you can play the streaming game uh, with, with Sean Manaya 
in a 12 team. And in fact, he might even be included in it if someone doesn't go out and snap him up right away, which I don't know why somebody necessarily would. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about him that I, I still believe in. Um, you know, can't, can't put my fig, finger on it, but there's no doubt that you know the game after his no hitter was kind of his last good game of the season, and since then it's just been all downhill. So I, mm-hmm. I see a little bit of uh, a progress in the second half. All right, well, let's move on to our last one here, Masahiro Tanaka. Guys, you kind of really want to be sitting down for this one because it might just bully over with shock. He's allowing homers this year. <laughs> I didn't want to break the news to you guys like this. Uh, I wanted to do a face-to-face. I'm really sorry, but he's allowing homers. It's uh, it's crazy. I've n- I never saw it coming with Masahiro Tanaka. He's usually just so good at uh, at keeping the long ball. God, dude, so annoying. Uh, he's just a home run machine. And as much as I like Tanaka when he's on, and as much as that team can steal wins for me, 7-2, and two, despite a 479 ERA, uh, he does still have a one 114 whip because he doesn't walk guys. He doesn't allow a ton of hits, but they're always damaging when they're hits because they're always home runs. And so he's really, really frustrating. Uh, I've moved Masahiro Tanaka down quite a bit because I just think that that the the wins, sure, that's one thing, and they're not 100% bankable. But you can you can feel pretty comfortable that you're going to get some some cheapy dubs um, from the Yankees there. But Masahiro Tanaka has been rough, Justin, and it's the same. Same, same pattern. Now, can he find it in the second half the way he did last year and have, what was it, like a six-week run where he wasn't allowing homers that carried into the playoffs? Or is this just who he is? It's always going to be homers for Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, Like, I don't even... Like, he he does this... It's not even like you can start him on the road and you just can't start him at home. He's doing it everywhere. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's allowed more home runs on the road than he has at home. Um, it's just, I, I don't think you can trust him. I just don't. Uh, I think I'm pretty much done with, with Tanaka at, at, at this point. Maybe if, maybe if someone wants to buy low on, on the name value, they can. I was going to say, there's, don't, I would not cut Tanaka. There is name value that will play in just about every league. You can get something better than what's on. Because if you're thinking of cutting him in a 15-team, somebody's got something that's better than the waiver wire fodder that you can just say, hey, do you want to take a shot on him? Let me get your let me get your junk ball here. This is the guy to get... like maybe go after in a points league because he still like can strike people out. Yeah, um, and and again, if, steals steals wins. He's seven and two. Yeah, if 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 you don't get negative points for home runs. Uh, and like you, like the earned runs, like like Tout Wars would be a great place to have Tanaka in, because like the point structure there is uh, super weighted by innings and strikeouts. Well, there you go. I mean, he's been a five and dive, but again, gets gets the dubs, gets the uh, gets still gets some strikeouts. Vlad Masahiro Tanaka again, name value is probably still there, but not much else. Uh, is he somebody that you're that you're moving on from? Um, you know, it, it, it's tough. Like, it, you know, it really o- only place I would be able to get him, and I don't have him in any leagues would be like an ale tout. And so, you know, could be a potentially buy low, but you know exactly what you're getting. And he just hasn't been the same guy since the beginning of last year. It, it was elbow issues, right? That he had that he didn't have surgery for. Yeah. It's it, he's, I mean, he's working with the torn UCL as many guys are, but uh, yeah, that just continues to be be there kind of hanging out and everyone keeps waiting for it to like finally rip. And uh, instead he's just ripping through our ERAs. Exactly. I mean, and we're going on the second year in a row of an ERA, you know, hovering around five, which is pretty insane uh, for a guy who was a, a top hundred overall pick. Uh, like you mentioned the, the issues with the walks, like two home runs per nine, like 
second year straight. Walks have never been an issue, but playing in the AL East sure is. Uh, and his fly ball rate is up 5% from last year, too. So um, the best thing someone might do is maybe try to get an NL comparable guy. I don't know, like a Patrick Corbin or, or someone else out there that someone would be able to trade with you. All right. Now we got to rank them. we got to rank the four that we've done here with the with the pitchers. Godley, Fulmer, Manaya Tanaka. What do you got, Vlad? Man, I'm going to go with, uh, for the rest of the season, Tanaka, Fulmer, Godly Manaya and Godly Manaya are close. Justin, um, I'm gonna go Godly Fulmer Tanaka Manaya. Godly Fulmer Tanaka Manaya. I've got. Uh, what do I got? At least I know I, I can I, start Godly at home. That's true. That really does help. I think I'm gonna go Godly Ful- Man, I need to move Tanaka down. A lot more than I already have on my list. Oh my god, he's so bad! Like, why are you such a bad pitcher? I'm gonna go. Yeah, Godly Fulmer, Tanaka, Manaya, I think as well. Okay, I think but that's I mean, where I, I could I, easily. You know what? I'm gonna go Manaya over Tanaka only because of the youth, and we saw such a great start to the season that maybe this is a mechanical issue. And he works with his pitching coach, and all of a sudden he turns it back around. Okay, that's I can get behind that. Yeah. What order did I say? I, I don't know. My order that I said might be different than what, what's going to be in these SP rankings. I'm going to try to align it up so that I'm not lying to y'all. Um, all right, I think that's going to wrap us up, guys. Vlad, what do you got going on over at uh, Guru Elite? Uh, just grinding out. Now. Yeah, I mean, grinding out uh, uh, the DFS content. Um, you know, I've got an article with. Uh, basically covering the hitters for, for, for daily fantasy. I've got a podcast Monday through Fridays with, uh, with Benny Ricciardi called Benny in the gut that we do every morning. Love it. Talk about some season long in the morning, a little bit DFS in the second half. Uh, and then just regular season long articles. Uh, I, I cover the, uh, the, the, uh, free agent, uh, bidding every weekend and do a minor league report. So just lots and lots of baseball for the next four months. That's great. That's great. That's the way it should be too. Enough with y'all's football stuff. Okay. It's too soon. Relax. <laughs> Uh, all right, thank you so much for joining us. Really enjoyed having you on. Guys, we're going to have a guest again next week. It's it's, it's guest time, and Justin and I are loving it. Uh, Justin said he wants guests because he hates talking to me. I don't know. Pretty I don't much. know why he said that, but I had to, uh, I had to blow his spot it's up. It's true. No. <laughs> Shut up. No, it's not. All right, guys. Talk to you all later. Fair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download SquadQL for free for your Apple and Android devices. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. 
Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. 